Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Katrina Friol about why do authors and coaches starve? Katrina Friel is a master in public speaking, entrepreneurial leadership, and business strategy. She helps her clients craft their unique message while becoming a best-selling author and ensuring they can then facilitate transformational retreats and events around the world. Hello and welcome, Katrina. Hello, lovely to see you. Absolutely wonderful to have you here. Now, This could be talking out of school, Katrina, but I heard on the grapevine (laughs) that you're coming up for a particular anniversary on your wedding day. Yes, I've been married for 30 years and I'm going every 10 years I like to renew my vows and in the middle of January we had our 30th renewal of vows at a beautiful ceremony here at my home with my surrounded by my original bridesmaids and it was just so lovely just to see people that have been with me since the beginning and it's just been a great journey. So, yeah, I'm very proud. That's one of my greatest achievements is my marriage. Well, absolutely excellent. 30 years and still be friends with the original bridesmaids. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And... Just in a, a general geographical sense, whereabouts is home? Home is the scenic central coast, an hour north of Sydney. I live on Yamina Beach. And if you're ever up this way, bring your dog because we have an off-lead beach up here and it's just so beautiful. So I highly recommend it. But most people that are born and bred in Sydney will know the central coast and they'll know Yamina Beach specifically because we've all been coming here since we were kids. Oh, very good. And thanks for the invitation to bring the dog. And, you know, I'm sure the squillions of people listening to this will all be lining up at your place with their dog. Yeah, stalk me down at your minor beach. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Now, you're a very busy person as well as being busy making sure that your personal life is in order. You actually help other people bring their lives and their businesses to order. Tell us about this Master in public speaking, please, Katrina. Well, I've been keynote speaking and I've written four four books and just about to bring out another one this year, so that'll make five. But if you've just got a book in isolation, there's really no point to that. I think what's important is you actually keynote speak about it and take your baby out into the world. So that's part of the job that I think is the glamorous side of what we do. It's the wonderful part of what we do is you get to be Oprah for a little minute and then you go back to normal and have to deliver and do the hard work. But the keynote speaking should be the joy of your life. And I try to teach my clients that it's a wonderful honour to stand up on that stage and to be able to shift and change and develop people within 45 minutes, I think is pretty amazing, that part of the job. Excellent stuff to be doing. And do you have a preferred or a group of preferred subjects that you like to use as your keynote subjects? Um, 
Well, with my current business becoming the expert program, the one that I've been really enjoying doing a lot is the 10 secrets to business success. And it just sort of breaks down my 10 things that I think are important. And that's always popular and it's funny and I love doing it and I'm very relaxed with it. But also when I am doing my corporate side of my business, I've done a really great speech called Refresh Your Career. And that's my seven steps to refreshing success in a corporate career. But my corporate training side of the business has now come down to about 20% of my business now and becoming the expert has turned into 80%. It used to be 50-50, but something's happening out there and I'm just going with it. (laughs) Being an expert in a particular field might be a good thing perhaps, Katrina. Oh, yes. Thank you, Clive. (laughs) (laughs) So what are the keys to these 10 points? Pick out the main ones and give us a little story around them. Let's think what would be the most entertaining. Well, I start off with talking about how it's really interesting to me how you see so much struggle in business. And so I just open the floor with thoughts around you see your parents struggle in business. And in my case, my back in the day when I was doing the HSC in 1986, give away my age, 51. Mm -hmm. In 1986, during the HSC period, my father lost his business and it was just before the recession we had to have. So we lost the business, we lost subsequently our family home and we moved into rental premises during my HSC period. So it was very devastating to me to watch my parents struggle like that no fault of my own, you know, no fault of his own. I think just the interest rates in those days was just so terrible. And my father never worked again for 10 years after that. It just broke him and it was heart-wrenching for me. I was daddy's girl and he ended up, they divorced and he ended up living with me. So I got to go very deep with what was my father going through at that time. And just broke my heart. And ever since then, I've been fascinated by why everywhere I turn, just people struggle in business. So I sort of, over the last 20 years, I've sort of researched what are the 10 things that people are missing. And this is what I've come up with, you know, these 10 things. So if anyone's interested, Clive, they're more than welcome to just send me an email and I'll send you a a little business quiz and they'll be able to work out where they're at with these 10 things and they'll get a little rating so that they'll see what's their chances for success in business moving forward. So, And also work on your strengths and your challenges. So I'm constantly working on these 10 things and making sure they stay up as high as they can. Excellent. And do jump on that. We'll give you some contact details later. But for all those listening, do jump on that and just give yourself a little health check. Yeah, a little health check. Nothing wrong with a health check. Yeah. Just have a look where you are. So we like public speaking. We've written four books. Quick synopsis on four books. The first one was the one I won the award for, which was Sex Cells, and I know it's risque. (laughs) No, I don't lead with my book, Sex Cells, but it's essentially my sales manual. It looked at 
the relationship side of human behaviour and overlaid it over the sales process. So it was just a fun way of looking at sales. And the reason I wrote that book was because everyone around me kept saying they hate sales and I loved it. And so I wanted to see what was the difference between my mindset and the mindset of most people. And even to this day, even though I wrote that book a long time ago, even to this day, I still love teaching sales and turning haters of sales into lovers of sales and really making sure that they understand that it's not sales. I don't even call it that. It's just simply educating. So just become the educator and get really good at educating. Yeah, you are, of course, speaking to a kindred spirit in terms of sales, but what do you think it is that creates so many, as you call them, haters of sales? And what do you find is the number one thing that turns them around? Well, first of all, I get them to visualise what they're visualising when they think I hate sales. I get them to close their eyes and tell me what comes up for them, what's the picture. And the picture is of a greasy, yucky, sweaty, bald man smoking a cigar in a used car yard. And I said, well, while you have that picture in your head, no wonder you hate sales. You're making me hate sales. So let's just clear the screen and change that picture up. And I say to them, from now on, you are the author, you're a keynote speaker, you're a trainer, you're a coach, you're a mentor, you're a facilitator, you're a consultant essentially wrap all those words up into one word. You are the educator. Now what do you visualise? And they're visualising something with status, with grace, with elegance, with respect, and the screen has changed forever. So that used car salesman picture should be gone and they just think of the educator, think of the expert, and that's where you educate from. So in the end, it's all in our head. It's all in our head, absolutely, yeah. Now, some of us have particular difficulty wrangling that head. Yes. (laughs) Do you have some particular skills that you can help people wrangle those issues? I do. I have, as you know, Clive, I've been doing this coming up to 25 years. I've capped it at 25 years. I'm not talking about 30 years' experience anymore. It just sounds a bit long, but... You know, I've been around for 20, 25 years and one of the things that we have to deal with when we're working with business people is the whole mindset piece and particularly really getting under the hood around the limiting beliefs. So you can't build a good business if you don't think you're good enough. You can't build a good business if you've got perfectionism disease. You can't build a great business if you have got you know, you're comparing yourself to everybody else. And all these childhood scars and issues that have been put into all of us just through osmosis, you know, we call that programming, as you know, Clive, and we turn out to be these adults that are flawed. Well, you don't have to stay with the same software. We just upgrade your software and so you can get rid of all that old software stuff from the 80s and get the latest software. That's the way I visualise it. And you do that through some therapeutic coaching. And in my practice, I use matrix therapies. I just think it's a good 
all-round steam cleaner of the mind and I essentially just work on a four-hour session and I do that with people just before they start so that they can be clean and clear before they go on their next journey because you certainly don't want to bring your old baggage into your new chapter, not when you're building your practice for the first time. You have an excellent way of describing all of that, Katrina. I hope you like that. <laughs> Having a rummage like around it. inside the brain is very interesting. Indeed. In the vernacular moments, I describe it as getting my number nines in somebody's grey matter, mushing it up, and then we'll put it back together the way they want it. Well, you have words as well. <laughs> I might have practised almost longer than you, Katrina, but don't <laughs> tell anybody that. I know. We'll just cap it at 25, okay? <laughs> Indeed. Some of the people out there who are hearing you talk about this will go, oh, yeah, here's another one with a dream easy story. All you got to do is think about it and everything will happen. Now, we all know that's not true. However, for those people who have difficulty accepting that first step, do you have an easy way for people to try that first step, even if it's just a tiny step, to learn that maybe there is something on the other side? I don't mix in circles really where personal development is foreign to them. Usually, particularly these days, I think most people are across personal development as well as professional development. So anyone that I did do meet perhaps in the corporate world who has only developed their professional or technical abilities are really going to be struggling in today's world that values emotional intelligence And if you don't have emotional intelligence, essentially you're dead in the water at that point because you not only are not very self-aware, but you don't understand your impact on others. And so nobody's going to want to work with that. So if you are in a corporate JOB, your company will be putting you through some sort of leadership program and inside leadership programs all around the world, emotional intelligence will sit in there as a module And us more entrepreneurial, spirited people didn't wait around for the corporate to pay for that for us. We went on, we went off and paid for that sort of training ourselves. And that sits more in personal development. And to me, it's 101. Gosh, EQ is 101 now. It's certainly been mainstream for the last 20 years. Would you not agree, Clive? 20 years? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it's yeah. certainly been around for a good while and it's like most things like that, it, yeah, it takes been... a while to gain traction but once yeah. it's settled in, as you point out, corporates eventually get hold of it and they make it work as well. Yeah, I think so, it was around 30 years ago but it's sort of I think 20 years ago where I think we accepted it as probably standard mm-hmm. curriculum now which is great to see absolutely fantastic. I love to teach that part of it. So if you're not willing to do, if people are not willing to go a little bit deeper than that into their own past and their own past programming, we only go and do all that stuff because we want to be better. We want to learn and grow and we want to do it quick. We don't want to be still dealing with the same crap from 20 years ago. We want to highlight the problem and fix it and move on. And everyone's really into that these days. And speaking of time, 
In your experience, does it take a long time for people to overcome these issues? Let's say that I've been struggling for 20 years with a particular issue, never managed to get over it. Do I have to work another 20 years to overcome that? No, gosh. In our world, with something like matrix therapies, or there's lots of different ways you can clear these things quite quickly, we're doing it in one and two sessions. It's really up to the person to, number one, believe that's possible and maybe look around at some of the social proof of these efforts. And, yeah, I think people can get over it pretty quickly, but we do, as therapists, we do recognise that there are sticky issues and sticky issues are where, you know, you might clear some stuff from the past but it didn't pull up the entire route. And so what we get the clients to do is just come back in three months, six months, 12 months after experiencing the new world that they live in. And then if there's still some residual root structure left in that gestalt or whatever, they can come back and maybe just go a little bit deeper and find out what's the catch in there and what was that linked to that wasn't cleared. And maybe you could pull out the route that way. But look, if you don't want to change, then it's not going to change. And some people, unfortunately, really love the drama cycle. They've become their story and they really don't want to get rid of it. So things are only sticky if you want them to be. Yeah, stories are wonderful things, but if we carry the wrong one, it's not going to help. However, that's just my comment. Yes. (laughs) Our subject today, Katrina, was why do authors and coaches starve? So... We've probably been talking about this, but more directly, is there a particular reason why authors and coaches often don't make enough money? My belief is that I had a whole bunch of clients that come to me saying, I want to do a book, and I get a whole bunch of clients coming to me saying, I'm a coach and I'm starving. Because as we know, coaches are a dime a dozen. There's 50 billion of them around the world. Everyone's a coach. Some are trained, some are not. It's an unregulated industry. It is what it is. Great, fantastic. But what I found was why authors starving and why are coaches particularly starving? And I found that it's because they are authors and coaches are attractive to introverts. And introverts, by their very nature, are not good at self-promotion in a very extroverted world that we live in right now of Instagram. And so I think if coaches think that they can just be one-on-one sitting there hoping that the phone will ring, they're going to be in a load of trouble and they're going to be starving. So what I do with coaches is say that you've got to add another six income streams to your bow and I show them how to do that easily, simply. They Once they see it, they're like, oh, okay, cool, I didn't realise And one of those income streams is the author. And the author isn't one of your big income streams. In Australia, if you earn five grand a year from your book, you'd be in the top 1% of authors in Australia. And $5,000 is really not going to feed your family. So even if you earn $5,000 and be in the top 1% of Australia, you're not going to go anywhere. So Seeing the book as an expensive business card, seeing the book as a door opener to keynote speaking, 
um, seeing the book as a strategic tool, not seeing the book as the whole business model. And I think that's where the authors went wrong. Authors thought, oh, I'll be the next Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, I'll be the next Oprah. You won't be. That's not the reality. Business books aren't really like that. But write it. You should do the rigour of the book. The book is an important part of you becoming the expert. If you haven't done a book, you're not the expert. So I just think it's important that people need to write the book, but don't buy into the fact that you're going to be selling millions of dollars worth of it, especially if you have production house taking it. If you self-publish, you'll make 10 bucks a book or whatever, whereas if you give it to a publisher, you'll be lucky to make $5 or $3 or $2 or whatever you end up with these days. So, yeah, it's just switching the switch, making sure that we understand that the book is a strategic tool and it opens doors. It really, really does. It really shows that you've got the rigour around your thinking and your philosophy. And then from there, once you're keynote speaking, you can then sell training, coaching and other types of things. But you can't just sit there at the other end as a coach and expect people to come knocking your doors down. They don't know who you are and they don't know what you stand for and they don't know what your philosophy is. So who wants to go to a generalist? Everyone wants to go to a specialist. So one of the things coaches need to do is just niche up and really own their field of excellence and we'll know what that field of excellence is if they put their philosophy down into a book. Indeed, as you said, to do the work to create the book because the research required to, do, to create a book which has an opportunity of selling yes. should highlight a whole number of things. Yes. It's, uh, to me, it's rigour. It's earning the right. And I think people that put their thoughts down in a book really, and that's why it's actually hard to do and not everybody does it because it's really hard to be that disciplined. I try to make that process really easy and take the angst out of it But still, there's rigour to it. There's absolutely rigour and there's no way around that. You have to put your stake down. What do you stand for and own it? Because you're going to be talking about it for the next few years or more. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And so that's taken care of the coaches. What about the authors? Why do authors struggle? Well, we've touched on part of what that might be, that selling books in Australia is not necessarily a big event. Well, authors go wrong because they think that that's the whole business model. So they just think, I'll write the book and then that's great. I'm going to earn $10 every time I meet somebody. But the reality is that if you're not out there keynote speaking, then who's going to know about your book to give you 10 bucks? And why would I want to meet every time I meet somebody, they're worth $10 to me? Why not get up and speak? and sell in a signature program for 10000 I mean, it's just a completely different stratosphere. And so authors starve because every time they do a sale, their average sale is $35 or, and out of that they'll get their $10. Do you see where I'm going with that, Clive? It's just ridiculous to me to think that that's the whole business model. And I think it took, it's only been the last 15 years that people have realised that that the book was a waste of time on its own. Yes, and, of course, that message has, has got out to a lot of people that don't write a book, it's a waste of time. Well, perhaps we have to look a little further and perhaps 
somebody wrote a book which ended up being a waste of time because they didn't bother to promote it, because they didn't take it to the right places, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The writing of the book is not necessarily a waste of time, but it's part of a greater picture, I think, is what I'm hearing from you. It's one revenue stream out of seven in my world. I'm sure that will be different folk, but in my world, it's the first step, the first revenue stream, and then the rest has to be built around that. I use the book as the leg opener to get the next opportunity. What the book does after that is neither here nor there. Have I gone too far now, have I? I'm sorry, I think everybody got the picture. I'm just not sure what the picture was. (laughs) (laughs) If that's wrong, you can cut that bit out. It's just the way. What's the second point? The book is the first point. What's number two on the list of seven? Okay, so the book then gives you opportunities to keynote. Once you're keynote speaking, only then would people be interested in your training, your coaching, your mentoring, your facilitating, and your consulting. So to me, the writing of the book and the keynote is the beginning of your funnel to now people are interested in you. Whereas if you take those two things away, you're just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring with a bit of social media or something on the side, good luck to you. I know you're going to starve. I guarantee you will starve. And they have. We've seen it over the last 20 years, people going, but I'm a coach. I've opened my door. I've got a website. I've got a business card. I'm going to networking opportunities. And they're starving and they're wondering why. It's because they don't have the two first steps. Got to have the book. You've got to keynote about it. And then maybe people might now understand whether you are for them or not. Build it and they will come needs just that little bit extra. So what's our third point? The training side of it, the third stream of income is the training. So that includes, for me, what I build for people is They'll have a three-day retreat. They'll have a two-day workshop. They'll have a one-day workshop, a half-day, a two-hour and a one-hour lunch and learn. So that all gets built in, not just for business to business, but also business to consumer. So that actually, when you look at the business plan, you'll actually see that the events is where the money is. And then once they've done the programs, the training programs, only then, I think, you should be really going into coaching and mentoring with them because now they've got the foundation. Now you can go and do one-on-one specific stuff with them through your coaching and your mentoring program. You don't want to be coaching and mentoring people with the foundations because that's boring. Give them the foundations in the training and then get specific and really deep in the coaching and the mentoring. Very good. And they should be premium products. They're one-on-one with you, so they should have a high-ticket price and it should be filled with a lot of value. They're really getting, they're getting a private lesson with the experts. So coaching and mentoring, I'm often doing in one conversation, I'll be mentoring in one sentence and then I'll be coaching in the next section and then I, in another sentence I might be training. So I think with people like us, Clive, we're often doing all of that at the same time. But for others, the coaching program and the mentoring program in my program is very similar delivery. It's just one's got the training in it and one has it. And then the last two income streams is the facilitation 
and the consulting. And so facilitation is advanced training. So when you've done the training and people know all that philosophy, the next step is for you to facilitate their thinking around that. So it's like the advanced program and consulting, as you do a lot of this, where you'll go into businesses and help them one-on-one and really go and do a full audit, a full review, find out what's all the red flags, what are they doing really well, what should they keep doing and what should they stop doing. Yeah. We were talking earlier about people becoming experts in a field Mm. and that allows them to move forward much more quickly. I think what you've described there in the seven steps that you take people through Mm. would allow a person to become an expert. Is that fair comment? Yeah, that's the whole point is sort of allowing people to have or my clients, which is, you know, the expert, the seven streams of income, they know how to apply their philosophy to these seven streams and you don't give away the farm in the book for $35. You give away the farm in the premium mentoring program. So they're very clear on where the value lies and how to, it's really a business model. It's an ethos that they can just run by so that they're not having to worry about the strategies behind what they're doing. They understand the strategies, the strategies are given to them and we can just get on with fleshing out their signature premium programs rather than wasting time on strategy and business planning. I essentially practically give that to them and we just customise it on the fly around their field of excellence. But really the structure is the same for all my clients. There you go. And some people might think that having to understand seven different steps Mm -hmm. could be a bit wearing. Have you found through the years, Katrina, that Perhaps those seven steps build one upon the other and they're not distracting and not overwhelming? Yeah, I do understand that people do find that that a long list. Clearly, I've lived with it long enough now so I can visualise it quite clearly. But for others, yes, the ones that are linked are training and facilitating. If you group those two together, you can group coaching and mentoring together. So there's You know, everyone knows what a book is. Everyone knows what a keynote is. Everyone now knows what training and facilitating is. And everyone knows what coaching and mentoring is. So that, the only one left then is consulting. And so, yeah, I really don't think it's that complicated. And the philosophy that is the umbrella that glues all that together, what is complicated about you talking about your field of excellence? It's just in what form. doesn't matter in what form. Is it in the book? Is it on stage in a keynote in 40 minutes? Is it in a three-day retreat? Is it in a coaching session for one hour? Is it in a 12-month mentoring program? Is it on their business, in their business, consulting with them? To me, it's all the same thing. It's one umbrella, seven ways of delivering it. Makes it extremely simple. and. Oh, good. Uh, Of course, we know it works. I don't want anyone overwhelmed. I mean, we've just got so many business people overwhelmed at the moment with so much complexity in the online digital world, I think is what's tripping everybody up. I think everyone knows the old way, but everyone's trying to catch up with the new way. And I think that's why most business people are in overwhelm. But I just choose to keep it really simple 
and I've been doing it for over 20 years now and I just love packaging people up and packaging their field of excellence up into a so that they're positioned as the expert in their field. Indeed, and it's what we want to see. But as we approach the end of our conversation, what's the best tip you have received, Katrina, from a business conversation? I had an old family friend and he was very big in business. I was not surrounded by a whole bunch of big business people. This was pretty much my only guy that I knew was big in business. And when I was leaving school, I was not going to go to uni, much to my mother's horror. I ended up being a barmaid in various pubs, but at this time this was my first job as a barmaid. And I remember my mother asking him to talk to me and try and, you know, fill my head with some sense about university and my career and all of this, and I just didn't care. I just wanted to have fun. I loved being behind the bar. And the advice he gave me was he said, you know what, Katrina, it doesn't matter what you do, just be the best at what you do. And so I went on to be what I thought was the best barmaid in Sydney. And ever since then, I've kept that (laughs) philosophy in everything that I've done. I just try to be the best person I can be, become a real master in whatever game I'm playing. And fast forward all these years, now I'm 51. I was 18 then. And now I've found my place in the world. I know how I can add value. I know how I can change people's lives. And I still run by that philosophy and I still run on that advice. Just try and be the best you can be. Well done and good on you. And good advice for anybody else that it's just a matter of having a go and making the best of it. But before we let you get away, what is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today? Well, I love feel the fear and just do it anyway. (laughs) So. You know, people come to me on the therapeutic coaching side of it and want to, you know, help, you know, get rid of their fears and get rid of their self-doubt, fix up their self-belief and their self-value and their self-worth. But what's interesting about self-doubt is that it never really leaves you and I don't think it should because the day that you don't question yourself and you don't have any self-doubt left is the day you're an arrogant son of a bitch and nobody will like you anyway. (laughs) So keep on self-doubting because it's making you better, but don't allow it to rule your world. Understand that it's there. Understand that it's actually your inner child and that you should take it by the hand and say, darling, I love you, but we're going to jump off this cliff anyway. One, two, three, Geronimo. Geronimo. (laughs) So feel the fear, do it anyway, and try and just build that parachute as you go down. (laughs) Good description. I like the way you put that. (laughs) Most importantly, Katrina, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? I think it's only fair if you're sort of connecting with this and you're resonating with the way I the way I express myself, so hopefully that will be a few people, jump onto my website, becomingtheexpert.com.au, and, of course, I would be more than happy to spend one hour in a discovery session with you for free, and the reason I do that is because I want to know 
Who are you? Let me have a little rummage around. And even if we never work together ever again, I promise you it'll be a valuable one hour and you'll probably walk away with three really good chunks of value regardless of whether we carry on together any further or not. That's a very exciting offer, I think, Katrina. And I'm sure there'll be more than two or three who relate to your message and how you deliver it. Excellent stuff. But the contact point, becoming the expert, all in one word, becomingtheexpert.com.au. Yeah. And you can hook up with your free session online there. It's pretty easy. But if not, just do the old fashioned way. Call me. Hey, that would be novel. Or (laughs) email me. That would be fine as well. Yes. Do people still have phones that make phone calls? (laughs) I don't know. Katrina, it's been lovely having this business conversation with you. Thank you for being here and thank you for all the great advice that you've provided. Well, thank you so much for having me. I have had fun and I look forward to catching up and having a beer with you soon, Clive. (laughs) Indeed we shall, very soon. Thank you. (laughs) Ciao. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.